Hell yeah. The Gaming Guru Podcast. Diesel, the best gaming podcast in the world. <laughs> Happy 2020, everybody. We are back. It's the Gaming Guru Podcast. We took a little break for the holidays from the hard work of playing video games to, um, you know, rest, recuperate, and uh, play some more video games. And uh, yeah, as always, I'm joined by uh, Tim Lester down in Cape Town. My name's Gareth Woods. I'm up here in Johannesburg. Tim, enjoy the break. You had some good time off? Yeah, dude, I had such a good time. Um, like... <laughs> The beginning of 2019 was quite hairy, scary, uh, and then towards the end, it, you know, everything sort of like came together, um, and then we took a really nice break off. Uh, my partner went away, and um, yeah, I went out to the country for a couple of days, had a good time, and then the last sort of week of my of my holiday, I was just I was just playing. <laughs> I was just nice. I was playing Fallen Order, um, Metamorph League uh, launched. Part of Exile, and I got like quite deep into Metamorph, but then I got distracted with Death Stranding, and that's kind of still where I'm at now. Okay, so um, your thoughts so far on uh, Death Stranding? Death Stranding. So I like because I had a couple of uh, mates who played before I before I gave it a, a chance. And all the reviews are out. I had a, a good understanding of like what the what I was getting myself into, and from the first you know uh, twenty five thousand minutes of cutscene, I was like, ah, oh, this is beautiful. <laughs> I was like, okay, this I'm living my, my, my best sort of like uh, high concept fantasy anime. Like, yeah. oh, it's it's great, it's great. This like crazy high concept sci-fi dystopian like cosmic horror. Like, totally into it. Yeah, but and, the game and, and, itself. Oh no, no, walking is just so. <laughs> it's, it's actually it's quite relaxing, you know, and then the music comes on. There's like a bit yeah. of stress, a bit of, you know, a bit of messing around with some BTs or, or some of these. What what are those mules? They're like addicted to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ad- addicted to like being postman. They're like, oh shit, son! I gotta give me one of those packages, man. <laughs> give him the package. Yeah. Weird game. Yeah. But like, I I love the law. I really like how. Everything is so loaded with with um, Kojima's message, right? His message mm. is like humanity is at currently where we are now is on the shores of death, and we need to like connect to one another in order to like lead us into the future uh, and rebuild the world. The message was like, drink monster. Because uh, <laughs> that seemed to be I mean, the, over, the overarching message of that game. Yeah, I mean, there's the, the, there's lots of ways to think about it, but uh, I really I really dig it, and I do. Yeah, it's it's quite on the nose, but a lot of like anime is on the nose, and I think of it in terms of like an anime. It kind of like stands up, you know, as tall as like an Evangelion or you know, one of those great like uh, sort of like anime sci-fi's, you know, yeah, that I, yeah, like that is kind of like contemplating like human nature, and yeah, it's great, great stuff. And I can see how like a lot of people would just be like, "Oh, what?" <laughs> you know, when they yeah, first look, put on this game. I for me, it's like as an art piece, great. As a game, pretty meh. Like the game itself is not that fun. That was my only issue. Otherwise, um, yeah, it's like you said, it's closer to something you watch than something you you play. 
You know what I mean? So but I. It's, it's, but it's weird. Like I'm getting, you know, I get these sort of like cravings to just like go for a hike in these like <laughs> lush environments and figure it out. It's like a puzzle. I don't. It's yeah. it's a different. It's definitely a different type of game. And I've been looking for something different for a while because I've kind of felt like I'm, you know, getting fatigued from the from the kind of like loop that I've been on for the past couple of years. Um, the various games sort of like starting to blend into one another and the quality is so high that it's difficult for certain games to stand out amongst others. Mind you, I did enjoy Fallen Order a lot. I had okay. so much fun with that game. Yeah, it was just I, like, I downloaded it. I haven't started playing it yet as part of the whole Epic had that crazy special on it. Like uh, awesome. you, yeah. you got it for like, you got a $10 coupon from the store itself for Christmas. And then they had that game at like 60% off or something. So oh, wow. I think I, I bought it for 100, 150 Rand, 170 Rand, something like that. Yeah, so I haven't got to actually playing it yet, but um, stoked to give it a try because it's been, you know, it's like finally a good Star Wars game is basically the yeah, way you know, and, Well, at least it's like a good Star Wars story slash Star Wars experience, right? Yeah. And I feel like like I've, you know, we've been lacking like, strong star wars experiences for a while yeah. like I, I don't know i didn't really get uh, any type of yeah you know, i didn't get that star wars experience button like tickled by the rise of skywalker it was more <laughs> that that nah. film was more like a roller coaster i was like wow it's like being on the cobra you're like afterwards like whoo that was crazy yeah oh cool what's uh, where are we going now <laughs> a roller coaster <laughs> you know, happened like, yeah yeah I so um well, let's jump into that a little bit. I guess uh, we both must have watched Rise of Skywalker being, I suppose, the holiday blockbuster since Marvel didn't really do anything these holidays. But um, your thoughts overall? So initially, like a physical reaction, I, f I feel like I had like, I definitely had a good time. Like I was laughing. I was like thrilled. I was like, oh my gosh, gasp. Wow. You know, I, <laughs> I was enjoying, I enjoyed the moment to moment, moment experience of being in the theater. I watched it in IMAX in 3D. So it's kind of like, you know, the ultimate, you know, yeah. when it comes to um, cinematic viewing experiences. So like right up there, um, none of it made any sense. Like, and as soon <laughs> as you started to interrogate anything like the movie just moves on <laughs> it's like yeah oh so that thing that just oh never mind we're somewhere else now you know yeah. it just kind of keeps moving so fast that you don't really have any time to sit and digest what happens and i think like there, there are definitely many moments in that film where i just felt like the movie needed like some room to breathe and i heard yeah. that jj wanted his original cut was about three hours and six minutes and i i think i would have actually been down for like a three hour film experience but they cut it down to like 225 or something like that for the theatrical release yeah i had a couple of moments where i had to you know my brain's going but wait what a minute and the part of my brain that was enjoying was going shut up we're enjoying this like if you <laughs> if you pop the bubble the fantasy will like disappear the the one though that like both halves of my brain were going yeah that doesn't make sense was when he and not it's really not that much spoilers for those who haven't listened but like they pull out some ancient dagger, like ancient, oh, and hold it up to the wreckage of the original Death Star, which has fallen on this planet. And they hold it up and, oh, wait, a little attachment comes out and it's a pointer. But the silhouette that the dagger makes is the exact silhouette of the mountain or whatever. And so they know yeah. where to look. And then, the, and I'm just going, wait, this dagger is supposedly like ancient, as in like the beginning of the Sith, like as a religion. That's how old they say it is. 
and yet it knows where the death star will crash, how it will crash, and like what the debris will look like. And then more importantly, Ray will happen to be standing at the exact angle of which they are like, what, 365 degrees she could be looking at this thing. And like hold yeah. it up and have the exact silhouette of the mountain. And I'm like, oh, that's probably not what happened. Like, <laughs> and it's, yeah, they're too much, you know, as they refer to like in, in movies, the deus ex machina sort of thing, where you're going, yeah. the character needs to move on, but we have no way of getting in the information that they need to move on. So we just have this improbable, unrealistic, ridiculous thing happen. Like, uh, there's a dagger that's a map, and she finds the way. Oh, okay, cool. Now we can just move the story in any direction we want. Yeah, so. yeah. It was, it was, it was a lot of that. Like, I remember that scene quite clearly because the the Millennium Falcon they didn't have anywhere to land, so and the the landing gear was bust. They just crashed, and they just like wandered over a hill like randomly, yeah. and they're like, "Oh, look, this ancient dagger just magically like lines up with this fifty year old space garbage." And yeah. Therefore, plot. Like, yeah. yeah. So uh, it was a lot of just nonsense, absolute nonsense. But yeah. I just, I had the best time. <laughs> like, yeah, I, can't, I, I know what I, you I, mean. Yeah, I came out of the film feeling like, wow, that was so much fun. You know, com- stark contrast to The Last Jedi, where I felt actively insulted, like, during the, f- the viewing experience, where I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> this movie yeah. hates me, hates me as a fan. And it says that like everything I I think I know about Star Wars is bullshit. It looks down its nose at you. But granted, having said that, I think that the Last Jedi will age better than Rise of Skywalker will. Okay, Just simply because it actually has like real Some themes and ideas. The, yeah, yeah. Even though it's in contrast to to the original themes, it at least has them. Okay, fair comment. Yeah. So I I feel like I'm. I have like more appreciation for Last Jedi now after watching Rise of Skywalker than I did before. Yeah, you know? fair enough. That's yeah. an interesting contrast. You go. I thought it was shit, but then when I realized how shittier things got, I was like, it's actually <laughs> not that bad. Yeah, dude. You, you look at it and you know take a step back and look at it. I mean, like Last Jedi actually had themes that it's that are challenged. Yeah. You know, your idea of the the myth, the legend versus the real man when it comes to Skywalker. You know, yeah. the idea of the the divide that what is the divine right of um like the lineage of power you know like yeah yeah Ray's, it's not Ray's this parentage. thing that like, yeah. like yeah but also you know, the like, idea that like the midichlorians are not this thing that you yeah um, you inherit as in like you know yes. if your father's a jedi the chance of you being one or even higher then whereas yeah. now it's just no it's this collective force that anyone can tap into it's just like uh, exactly. okay you know, and like war profiteering is bad, animal cruelty is bad. You know, those really like high concepts, like deep. Yeah, very, very <laughs> neat. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Uh, I personally, because I was away in Port Elizabeth, um, which is, for those who don't know, a rather small town, um, and couldn't take my, my consoles with me, I just, I've been playing a lot of Hearthstone. Um, there was a new, uh, what I call expansion that came up, and yeah, it's good. It's been a while since I got back. One thing I realized is that, like, if you've missed a couple of expansions, my God, is it hard to get back in in terms of just not having the cards? Because every yeah. every expansion, they'll drop, like, 100, 130 cards, whatever. And, you know, you'll jump in and go, cool, I'll, I'll buy the expansion. I'll get maybe 80 of the 130 cards, and I'll be playing. But, like, guys are still using cards from, like, a year ago that you haven't seen, and it's just, like, getting your ass handed to you. So... Been a lot of fun getting back into that. I spent a lot of money on that, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Yay, Chris- yay Christmas time. 
Um, but uh, anything to, I suppose, distract yourself from being in Port Elizabeth. But yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, times. when I I went away for a couple of days um, to McGregor, just like a small sort of like farm town. Um, no internet, no consoles, nothing. So I ended up playing like a whole bunch of Pokemon Ruby, like on my <laughs> on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> nice. It was that. And then um, big TV that happened during the holidays. Obviously, uh, Mandalorian. You you said you finished that. I've just started the first episode now. Now that's all uh, ready to download by legitimate means. Yeah, dude. I yeah I watched um, I watched the Mandalorian. So good. Like John Favreau is an absolute genius, and like after the dumpster fire that was Rise of Skywalker, I'm just so, so glad that there are people who are working with this property now that like know, <laughs> they they just know how to like adapt it for like a modern audience. I don't know, man. Like yeah. they, they they understood. They look they looked at the Star Wars property and they're like, this is um, a retro space western. Like yeah. you know that that's and they just went down that line, you know, and they stuck to it. And I, I will say this, uh, the strongest element of Mandalorian is Baby Yoda because yeah. it always creates this, uh, it, it creates the scenario in the viewer's head where like the crazier shit gets on screen, the stakes are always so high because somewhere in this world is this tiny little green ball of cute that can't look after itself. Yeah, and like, is the future like... Gone Jedi of, yeah. Well, ex- exactly. And, and like whenever shit starts popping off, you're like, oh my God, is baby okay? Where is baby? Oh my God. Someone please pick up this child and like yeah. take it somewhere safe. So yeah, it keeps the stakes like way up there. Uh, yeah, awesome. Action. Now I'm excited like, to, to, cute to finish it. Just smashes. Yeah, it's great. And then obviously The Witcher. I presume pretty much everyone who listens to this podcast probably watched The Witcher. Um, thoughts on that i overall i enjoyed it i think a lot of credit to anyone who stuck through it who hadn't played or read you know played yeah. the games or read the books because they i felt like they didn't really hold back in terms of just going we're just going to assume you know what we're talking about and go and so there were a lot yeah. of moments where uh, i watched with my wife and she asked like what's that about what's this about and i don't ever played the games had never watched the obviously the polish tv series or the or read the books but um, you know, I I could tie a lot of things together. They didn't give you much, you know, credit for if you hadn't yeah. had that background. Yeah, I um, I enjoyed The Witcher. I mean, like I you know, I'm a big fan of the property. I do see that um, kind of first time viewers, readers, slash you know, players or whatever people who aren't familiar with the property would have struggled. There were even moments when I was watching them like. Are they? Is this all current? Are they jumping around in timelines? I had no idea, you know, until um, we we slowly started piecing it together. A couple episodes in, my my partner and myself, like, okay, then this timeline must be here. Okay, then when we're doing yeah. this, uh, that 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 that's there, and um, it, it's just not obvious at all. Yeah, the timeline jump where they jump back to I think the wedding or something, but they don't tell you that they've jumped back. It's just but they've been jumping happen- the whole time. Yeah, but you don't been, realize yeah. you've been jumping all the time no. until they go definitively like, okay, this is yes. definitely back in yeah. time because kiddo hasn't been born yet. Old Siri hasn't yeah. even been no, born exactly. and mom's still alive. You're like, oh, damn. And then you start realizing, oh, the entire series has been kind of jumping back and forward. Yeah. 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 So. so it's, uh, and, and apparently the um, production team, you know, posted a, a little infographic on Twitter not so long ago to like explain the timeline. 
Okay. So because, because obviously this was a common really issue. Thing you, know? you have to do that, yeah. yeah. But the thing is, usually guys get by with that sort of like jumping without, you know, using a subtitle or with a bit of grading difference. You know, it's like mm. sepia tones for it's in the past because it's, you know, you know, letting you know it's old and, you know, dreams are in blue or whatever, purple haze sort of thing. So they didn't really do much of that that you were aware of. Like, okay, cool, this is past or present or or a dream or vision. No. Sort of thing, so I thought the the action was fantastic. Like uh, Henry yeah, Cavill was was a, he he's a really like great Geralt. The yeah. there were a lot of like practical effects that I really appreciated, like particularly with a couple of the monsters. Uh, a bit yeah. of CGI, but I think they tried to keep the CGI at like a minimum. Um I was surprised at like how many of the short stories they actually adapted for this series. They, they turned it into okay. like a sort of, it gave it like a really episodic feel where like each episode had sort of like its own contained little story. Yeah, and yeah, the, yeah. and like the, the first book feels, feels a lot like that, yeah. Yeah. I, I also enjoyed the battles where, this is just a general gripe with, I, I know the degrees of fantasy in terms of like Lord of the Rings versus, you yeah. know, Harry Potter, whatever. I always hate when they have these battles and it's like these massive armies and it ends up being an, kind of like a numbers game when you've got magic. Whereas yeah. I like the fact that like there's almost the creativity of going, you know, it's like you have a hundred thousand people, but we have 10 mages, but these mages can like perform blizzards and, you know, fireballs and meteorites and all this stuff. I'm like, that's awesome because it's like super creative and you don't know what to expect. It's not the usual like, Hundred thousand people siege, you know, siege engines and catapults, and you know, which while visually impressive, we've just seen it so many times. So this was cool that, like, from a spell point of view, anything could happen, uh, which I, I thoroughly enjoyed. That uh, the sieging of the bridge, can't remember the name of the of the, yeah. the actual town, but yeah, very very impressive visually. So I remember one of the early stories that came out of production was that originally they wrote like tons of dialogue for for Geralt for the show. Because there's, you know, Geralt talks a lot in the books. He's like mm. a big talker. Um, and then when um, Henry Cavill was playing it, he started like chopping the dialogue down and down. To. <laughs> he, to <clears throat> and fuck. <laughs> so, I can, <laughs> so I can just imagine like Henry Cavill looking at, you know, you know, four or five pages of dialogue and being like, hmm, what if I do? <laughs> no, what if I just don't <laughs> and go, hmm. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Yeah, because we, we watch the subtitles on because uh, my kiddo sleeps sometimes while we're watching. And... Um, have you noticed that there are three different hmms, sometimes with one M and sometimes two and sometimes three? And like, whoever's typing it, do they know that like this is like a, a grumpy <laughs> hmm versus like a hmm, like an impressed hmm, like that the different yeah. amounts of M's on the yeah. end are? Or they or when just they type send it. the transcript, they send the transcript for the review, they're like, sorry, guy, this is, this is definitely a hmm. Yeah, so yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Does suck. We have to wait a whole year to be able to watch some more. Yeah, but, I um, watched it really quickly, so I, I'm definitely going to watch it again. Like, I'm going to give it a couple, like a month or two break, um, and then come back to it and take it in a bit slower. Honestly, yeah. don't think it's like definitely not the best in terms of kind of like the shows that I saw in 2019, and there were a lot yeah. of really good ones. Among them, I think my top being Watchmen. Uh, Damon Lindelof's Watchmen was just absolutely incredible. Like the fact that he managed to like take this real life story of this like um uh massacre in tulsa and turn it into a really black centric focused um superhero mystery that exists and stands up as like a sequel to the original watchman while still paying like homage 
to the comic book itself to those pages is just like like outstanding i i think that warner brothers wants to go ahead and try and make another season just because this one did so well i don't know how they're going to do that and i doubt that damon lindelof will be involved in that one too i, I do know that They've been begging him to do this thing for years and he only came on because he got, you know, just like this inspiration from this event that happened. Because a couple months ago, I think they found like uh, mass graves actually in this in this area. Oh, yeah. It was like one of the biggest events of like domestic terrorism of like the 1920s, 1930s, where um, a couple of the these KKK members actually had um, uh, one of these old warplanes and they did an aerial attack on the town. Toss at the time was sort of like had this uh, really, um, really large, uh, uh, black, it was like the Black Wall Street, you know, it was like okay. a lot of um, black business that was doing really well. And yeah, like people just got murdered. <laughs> so question, up. somebody who hasn't watched the movie or read the comic books, would you need a kind of base level understanding to enjoy the show or is it pretty standalone? Um, so my partner watched it without having any information of the base. Um, base comic i i think what you sh what someone should probably do is like don't bother going and watching the the zack snyder like uh, 2008 movie yeah. don't worry about it. it's, it's a long movie it doesn't need to be that long honestly i think you can find like a short like 10 minutes uh catch up video on youtube just to get the main plot points and then get into okay. the actual series because the series itself i think is like leagues better than um than the film that came out and i tried to watch the film again recently and although like it's it's a good film like just cinemas changed so much that I got bored like quickly. I'm like, this movie doesn't need to be two and a half hours, man. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. So, um, so yeah, you, I'd say watch like a catch up video and then get into the series. Just get like the main plots under your belts. And then yeah, so you it. know who the characters are and, and what yeah, exactly. they're doing. Okay. Exactly. Awesome. No, it's definitely on my radar. Because uh, uh, I used him as a kind of uh, barometer of what's good. Because let's be honest, between Netflix and, and kind of Amazon Prime, there's so much um there's so much content out there um this is uh this like, is hbo oh yeah yeah hbo but like there's um there's just so much content and you you almost need someone who's like full-time job is to curate <laughs> but I, I honestly feel that's where things are going like you're going to get to the yeah, point where definitely. you follow people obviously follow people on you like youtube and like who make content but you're also going to be following people who just like cool I've watched everything and these are my top 10 shows this month that you have to watch. And you're like, cool, if I dig this person, I will probably dig what, they, what they're into. Because, you know, you can't... <laughs> following these, like, generic reviews is sometimes really yeah. difficult because you go... I mean, I've always had this feeling, like, if you're a horror genre kind of fundy and then you, you mm. read some of the reviews by, like, prominent reviewers, but you're going, if you don't get the genre, you don't get why certain people yeah. like it. And so you're going... Yeah, the graphics are terrible and the plot points are bad. Some people dig that about horror, especially those yeah. kind of cheesy 90 slasher horrors. They're like, they are bad. That's part of it. Like, they are massive yeah. plot holes. Don't go inside. Don't go take a shower right now. But that's <laughs> part of what makes the genre what it is. And so to review it as trying to hold water against, you know, some of the epics of the decade, you're like, yeah, it's going to get a two out of 10. But that doesn't mean it's a bad movie for the genre. And so, yeah, um, I think the other one, uh, that you put me on to recently was Dracula. I've watched the first two episodes and it's yeah. actually really, really good. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of fun. I, I put it on like fully expecting to just have some like uh, background like uh, trash to, yeah. to just kind of like, you know, do housework too. And it ended up being so thoroughly entertaining. 
and I had such a great time. It's like wonderfully macabre and camp and it really brings like all this like, you know, 1980s like practical horror like yeah. like just jams it down into into one space you know it, it, it's i had such a good time with it it was thoroughly yeah, entertaining was, i remember watching with my wife and there was a moment in like the first episode where we just looked at each other and just like this is so compelling like yeah. <laughs> you, you want it to, the episode to end so that it resolves but you don't want to end because you're enjoying the experience of watching it it was such a weird kind of space but um Let's, uh, should we jump into the news quickly? There's, uh, there's been a couple of little news bites since we last left off. I know it's usually quite a quiet time of the year. Um, I think from my side, the, the, the first thing is obviously game of the year was Sekiro, which I think we both speculated oh, wow. was, was going to be yeah. game of the year or one of the yeah, top three. But um, yeah, I mean, oh God, it's made me just seeing all the like footage and that and, and everyone playing it again um, makes me want to jump back into it. But I just find a lot of Souls games, um, what pushes you forward when things get tough is the thought of like finally beating a boss or a level or whatever. And so once you've beaten it, like to go back in, like, I mean, I played every Souls game, but I've never played a Souls game twice. Um, And I don't know if that's just part of the like, no, fuck this. I got through it. That was my motivator was to like finally finish this thing. I'm not doing it again. Like, why would I purposely like put myself through this pain? But uh, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed that game. Highly recommend it to anyone who, uh, first of all, if you're a fan of Souls games, but if you're a fan of like kind of the Japanese culture sort of stuff, this it's just such a rich law and environment. Highly recommend it. Awesome. But yeah, um, otherwise, news that you've got, Tim. Yeah, so um, back on Witcher, I guess, um, Andrei Sikowski, the uh, author of the books, um, who signed that deal with Netflix, um, is in talks again with CD Projekt Red. Like, so about a year ago, like things were looking pretty hairy between the, between the two, uh, their relationship had sort of deteriorated. Because when Andrei Sikowski first signed off the, the rights to the video games to CD Projekt Red, he was kind of a dick about it and he's like look these you know they offered him like five percent um uh, revenue from the profits and he's like no this game's gonna make no profits give me the money now <laughs> they gave him like <laughs> like uh, f- around five thousand dollars or something at the time oh, this no. is like years ago like 2002 or three yeah um and he's been kicking himself ever since obviously and he's also been like trash talking the witcher 3 saying that you know i, th- I think he's worried that the games are going to get are going to get more uh, more recognizable than his actual books, and people when they when they hear The Witcher, they think, oh, that video oh, game. the games, yeah, of, refer to exactly. the games. Um, so it led to him, you know, filing this really like hectic letter uh, through his lawyers, sending it to them, basically saying, "Give me more money," uh-huh. and they're like, "Look, we had a deal, mate, but like, let's talk because we're very happy to like, you know, we want to have a good relationship with the creator." So also, he's, honest, CD Projekt Red seem to be like the industry good guys. They're yeah, just like, definitely. hey, like, cool. Like, let's be like, mates. Let's we don't, yeah. Yeah, so it looks like he's uh, signed a new deal with them now, which would see him getting, you know, uh, a <laughs> like a decent, you know, uh, cut of the profits and um, we'll definitely be getting more Witcher games. Um, yeah, awesome. Yeah, so there's that. Yeah, I can't complain there. I mean, geez. I think we both love the th- the first three. Uh, I know you did because you've bought it multiple times and played it even more. <laughs> but um, yeah, I certainly would not complain about getting a fourth 
which you can. So yeah, so after the um, after I guess that uh, and 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 the the Witcher kind of blowing up on Netflix, everyone started playing the game again. Yeah, um, which led to the highest number of um, players on Steam playing The Witcher Three since launch, yeah. uh, with around like ten, a hundred thousand concurrent. Yeah, more than Red Dead Online, more than a lot of kind of like recent games that launched towards the end of twenty nineteen. Just be, everyone's like, yeah, that's crazy. Yep, playing The Witcher again. No, that's awesome. Um, it also does help that anyone who was umming and eyeing about it and then maybe watched the series and thought, oh, this content is not bad, that the game is like stupid cheap i think like yeah. ten dollars or something at the moment for like almost all the content and uh i guess the last story i have is um uh over the weekend uh, nintendo held like a nintendo direct which is sort of like more of a pokemon direct which was all pokemon news that they dropped so i don't know if uh i don't know if you played um sword and or shield yet yeah i got i played either. sword yeah yeah cool so uh so Sword and Shield got a lot of blowback from the uh, from the public just because they've kind of, you know, removed tons of of uh, old Pokemon from the game. Around like two hundred plus um, old Pokemon that are just absent from the game, and um, so they've decided to put it back in in a free update. But you can only get the free update by buying one of the two expansions that are coming out for the game. So. Pokemon have always done this weird thing where they break the game up into two different games, and the yeah. games are usually identical aside from a couple of like legendary Pokemon that you can get along the way. Um, but it seemed like with this one, they really kind of cut the content out, and uh, yeah, people got really pissed off. <laughs> and yeah, they're like, "Cool, imagine. we'll just sell it right back to you, man." So that's uh, so that's that. It feels like the uh, the Fallout seventy six model of going. Yeah. Let's legitimately take something out of the game and then sell it back to you afterwards and look, try and look like the good guys. Um, also, you, you mentioned before this the talks about the, um, uh, the Hulk movies. Well, that the, yes. uh, we're likely to see more with Marvel getting the rights back. Yeah, yeah. So Marvel bought the rights uh, to Incredible Hulk back from Universal Pictures. So I don't know if people are aware, but like that, the fact that they had a Bruce Banner slash Hulk in the most recent MCU films was because of like a, a, a joint rev share deal with Universal Pictures and all the Hulk movies that have come out so far, like the standalone Hulk films, have been Universal productions. Mm. Um, but yeah, now Hulk is going to be within the MCU. They can actually play with the character. They could probably make a Hulk standalone. I know they want to do the She-Hulk um, series for uh, Disney+. Plus. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, cool. He's back. He's back home. Back home with, uh, with Marvel. It's always felt to me like such a weird space with like Spider-Man being part of some and like X-Men being part of another. And it's just, I, I know that we, we try in a weird way fight the whole Disney monopoly, but like it just totally makes sense that yeah. all the characters exist under the same umbrella and not, you know, we're going to loan him to you for an MCU project. Like Yeah, basically. Idea, I mean, the thing is like, Disney's kind of been like picking pieces up off the board like steadily for the last like uh, 10 years now. And um, it, it's gotten to a point where some of these other production companies, they can only compete with the Disney by hanging on, like clutching onto these, yeah, fair enough. you know, properties that they managed to grab like, you know, back in the 90s when Marvel was like on the rocks and was about to go bankrupt. Yeah. So. Like, still to this day, like, Spider-Man is the biggest profit turner for uh, Sony Entertainment. For Sony, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is why, I mean, they pushed the license into the gaming space as well. I mean, with the Spider-Man game, 
was it last year? No, year before. That um, you know, obviously they're relying heavily on the fact that they're in the license for that game. You know, that's why we're not seeing, I suppose, the other um, Marvel characters getting as many, you know, as much limelight in terms of game point of view because I think that's mm. Sony's major kind of money spinner. That, that well, speaking does. of, that's such a good, uh, such a good segue because um, Marvel's Reno. Avengers, yeah, is one yeah. of the most anticipated games of 2020. We can get into that. Yeah, should we should we chat about what we're looking forward to? It is a new year. There's a there are quite a few games that have been uh, teased. It's a weird timing for game releases because um, the, the obviously the rumor that the new consoles are going to come out pretty much uh, the assumption is announced. This year, availability Christmas end of the year. Um, that's the assumption. It might not come to fruition, but like that would probably be the best timing from a sales point of view is to make yeah. it the like the hot to trot kind of uh, gift for for gamers for the Christmas season is to get what Series X for Xbox or um, whatever PlayStation will probably be the PlayStation Five unless they also decide to go on this. Uh, drug-infused Xbox naming convention. PlayStation Zero. Yeah, exactly. We're starting again. Um, but yeah, so um, we've had a couple of games that have been teased in terms of having launch dates this year. Um, generally, what happens is stuff that's launching in the first half of the year has been announced. Everything else has got this vague kind of like uh, summer of or spring of 2020. But um your, your kind of top three or four for the year? Um, my top three, I'd say uh, Cyberpunk 2077 Defos. That's going on my shelf. Yeah. Um, uh, Last of Us Part 2 is also going on my shelf. That's, a, that's an insta-buy for me. And then I'd, I'd say it's between like Ghost of Tsushima or Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2. I didn't play Bloodlines 1, but I know people okay. who did. And they're yeah, like... Yeah, I did. Loved it. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. Loved it, right? And and I want like a good vampire game. But that it was... That other weird was vampire game. It was the whole idea that you could play the same game, but having chosen a profile. You know, much like the, the D&D of like, yes. you choose a character and that's going to highly impact the way you play. So if you go like full on Nosferatu, you know, hideous looking vampire type, you can't go out in public. But like yeah. you're super strong and powerful, but like forget any kind of charismatic interactions of like you know um, in influencing um, bouncers to let you in clubs or whatever. Like you're basically a mutant, um, and so that it it was very novel to be able to play a game multiple times, and it's the same story, but you have to really take it from different angles based on what character you play. Um, I think for me, the the ones that I'm most looking forward to, Last of Us Part 2, no-brainer. Um, Last of Us Part 1 was nominated via Metacritic scores as being the game of the decade. Wow. Um, uh, Cyberpunk 2077, um, CD Projekt Red, love their games. Uh, from what I've seen of all the pre-release content, looks like it's going to be phenomenal. Also, play it however you want, style RPG, which I love, not this kind of... Um, you know, cosmetic level of um, play it your own way. It's like, oh, it's, you know, you, it's stealth or it's hardcore, but like basically, I mean, I mean, run and gun, but essentially it's the same levels. It really feels like there are large parts of the game you will not get to play if you pick a certain kind of path. Uh, and there are major parts that you will get to see that others won't, depending on how you play the game. So um, the kind of way where like, if you're a stealthy person, there are contracts that, 
you will, will be available to you that won't be available to someone else because of you know because the way you've managed them. yeah you've managed to succeed or, or fail in in previous missions which sounds amazing uh final fantasy 7 remake i'm excited to see how that turns out because that was pretty much the only final fantasy that i played to finish was number seven um so it'd be interesting to see how they do with that in terms of remakes um and given how successful um and what a good job risen evil 2 remake was very very excited for number three yeah, capcom's been in a roll with those remakes and yeah. they did really I think they, well they just they understand it feels so weird to say because like they were so far from the light with resident evil for so long i think re4 just hit the sweet spot where like the difference between action and um, survival horror and then it started going okay more action more co-op more whatever with five six uh, zero all these ones it was just becoming such action garbage and then yeah. with the reset when they didn't resident evil 7 or i think they just called it resident evil biohazard where it's mm -hmm. like first person it's in that house oh, it was just so good and yeah. um and then yeah they from from there just they've been on absolute roll like you said yeah, they took the franchise back to I think it's um, it's the the identity that you know differentiated it from a lot of other games coming out at that time because when it started tending when it started like kind of leaning like heavily into the uh, action RPG space like you know the market was flooded with those types of games yeah. like Capcom yeah. even had like I remember Dino Crisis was like out at the same time and it was basically the same thing it was just like action adventure. RPG with dinosaurs and yeah. here they've got their zombies one and then you know what I mean like it just they all sort of blended together and it, it, the the prop the IP needed to go back to its horror roots and yeah they figured out and condensed that identity down into its essentials and I think they they've got a good understanding of like what fans want from a Resident Evil title so I'm I'm sold on uh, any future Resident Evil stuff. As far as like Final Fantasy VII Remake, I'm in a wait-and-see position because yeah. I was thoroughly bored with Final Fantasy XV. I found it so yeah. boring. I, same, I like, same. played I it for... maybe three hours in and I was like, okay, no, I'm bored I, now. I put in some time. Eh? I put in like maybe 15 hours and I'm like, you oh, know yeah. what? This is so stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like maybe it was just because it's a 2016 game. I don't know, man. There were good games in 2016, but like... And it's got such a high score on Metacritic, and I have friends who've like platinumed the game, and they're like, "Man, yeah, it's so yeah. great! Stick with it." I'm like, "Dude, like, <laughs> I'm just driving this car and like, and cooking to, meals, and yeah, to, to, to check markers to like fit something and bring it back to someone like over and over again. Yeah, it's so dumb. Sorry. Speaking <laughs> of the 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 Resident Evil thing, maybe I'm thinking out loud here with a theory, but it feels like during that time when Resident Evil started going super action and all that, it felt like those were the games that were making serious bank. The Uncharted's, the God of Wars, the, it was like the big yeah. action titles were the ones making the serious, serious money. So as Cap Tommy, you go, that's obviously what people want. Let's do that. But the problem is, is like, if you've come from an heritage of something else, you know, as a, as a kind of horror, survival horror genre, and you try and be that, you, for one, don't really have the credentials. But secondly, like, you just become one of the also-rans, as in like, uh, it's another Uncharted clone or another like over-the-shoulder what Gears of War type clone and you're not going to do it as well and I think as gaming has grown to the point where like 
even the niches can survive and be quite lucrative. You go, actually, screw that. Let's be the best horror game. And we'll still sell millions of copies because the gaming genres have grown so much that even being survival horror is not niche enough that you won't sell over a million copies if you're good. Yeah. And so like you go back to what makes you stand head and shoulders above anyone else in your genre. And yes, you're not going to sell as many copies as a God of War, a Gears of War, those sort of like action titles. But it's the same as the movie business. You're going rather be the best horror and win all the awards and have every horror fan loving you and swearing by you than being a, another stab at being the big blockbuster summer movie when you're actually a horror movie. Let's be honest. Like we can't yeah. we can't all be the, the the billion dollar box office breakers. Like so yeah, maybe maybe that's what happened. I'm interested that you are interested in Ghosts of Tsushima. Um because so, I would highly I know I've said it before, highly recommend getting your hands on a copy of, of Sekiro then. Because everything so, I've seen of Ghost is like I'm not saying a Sekiro clone, but like totally in that genre of like yeah. high action sword play, that sort of art. But you see, Sekiro is a from game. <laughs> yeah. and you, you're allergic to those after bloodborne <laughs> I'm, well, I'm actually playing bloodborne again like i'm, I'm trying to like give it give it the uh, my time i really am i, I want to finish the game properly and i have started a new character so i'm interested in ghost of shishima i know nothing about the actual game other than what i've seen from the trailers so far and i just see this like gorgeous like art direction i'm like wow like this looks too beautiful to like not experience like uh, gameplay aside you know whatever the gameplay is going to be you know the thing that's kind of like selling it to me is really the atmosphere the aesthetic the environments like you know these like full moon like glistening over these like reeds with you know ninjas jumping down from the trees and shit just looks fucking awesome (laughs) yeah so yeah no, cool. Um, I think 2020 is set to be a pretty damn good year. I mean, if I just base it on the the game release schedule for the next couple of weeks, I mean, ones we haven't even spoke about, you've got Ori and I think it's called the Will, and the Will of the Wisps. That's supposed to be coming out like super soon, like February the 11th or something. Um, we've mentioned Final Fantasy Remake. We've mentioned um, the, uh, the Resident Evil Remake. But I mean, you've got... Um, Trying to think what else. You've got Animal Crossing for those who are fans of that. There's a new one. Yeah. Uh, Doom, Doom Eternal. Um, that's coming out in March. Uh, Persona 5. I've never played the Persona games, but like uh, Persona 5 Royale is coming out, and that's a lot of people swear by it. Half Life 3. I know 3 is now, Alex is how we pronounce the word 3 at, at Valve, it seems. But um, that also looks phenomenal. It's a, it is going to be a VR game. Uh, so I know that puts a lot of people off, you know, because you might not have the equipment, first of all, and also a lot of people just aren't huge fans of, of VR. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a new Halo game coming out, Halo Infinite. Um, trying to think of other games coming. Uh, oh, there's a new Watch Dogs, that Watch Dogs Legion, where you can supposedly, like, yes. take over or play as any character. 100%. Um, yeah, so, I mean, these are all games that have been confirmed already. And as we know from how the gaming calendar tends to work is things come out of nowhere sometimes. They're just like, oh, cool, there's this game and it's coming out like in a month or so. Um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of very, very cool stuff coming out and super excited as to uh, getting to get, get our hands on a lot of that. But um, this has been the first episode. Welcome back. 
Um, excited to see what we do uh, for the rest of the year. Going to try a couple of um, regular features. So I think uh, we wanted to do a, a heroes and villains, a weekly heroes and villains to see uh, who our winners and losers of the week are. Uh, and then do a couple of like uh, top fives, you know, our top five games of, of the year or last year or best graphics or whatever. We'll create our own little awards uh, here on the Gaming Guru podcast. Um, but yeah, that's been the first episode. Uh, as always, uh, you can get hold of us on Twitter at um, what guru underscore podcast. Uh, oh, otherwise, yeah. you can get hold of Tim at, at Tim and Fish. Or myself, Gareth Woods, at the Gareth Woods, uh, all on Twitter, because uh, I think that's our social media of choice. Everything else is just too much effort. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Otherwise, um, have a good week, play some games, and have a lot of fun. Awesome, G. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Ooh, baby.